Opinionated analysis of every Kiss release. I am your host, Ryo V, and I thank you for taking the time to join me for episode 51 Extreme Close Up. Before we get into the album analysis, if you like the podcast, please subscribe. If you haven't already done so, please leave a review on iTunes. Positive reviews and subscriptions help other Kiss fans to find this podcast. If you have any comments, you want to provide any feedback, you can reach me at psychocircuspodcast at gmail.com. That's psychocircuspodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Twitter. I am at RyoV on Twitter. That's at R-Y-O-V-I-E on Twitter. And I say welcome to the show. All right. Before we get into this album analysis, there's video analysis, I should say, of Extreme Close-Up. Let's start off, as we always do, with today's communication. The communication for this episode is about recent happenings in the world of KISS. And this time around, I want to discuss what is going on with Vinnie Vincent. Now, I've discussed Vinnie in the past, and I've talked about some of his bizarre antics, along with uh, my disappointment in his canceling of shows that he had scheduled, and I really thought Vinnie had just gone into hiding once again. However, he has not. Vinnie recently made the following announcement on Facebook. Hi everyone, I have an update I want to share with you. The Vinnie Vincent Merry Metal Christmas Show is on. Yes, I want this celebration with you and have decided whatever it takes and however many tickets are sold, the show goes on one way or another. Vinnie then goes on to state that tickets have to be purchased through PayPal no later than October 5th. He states that the two-day event will take place in Nashville, but does not specify which venue. And then he spent some time talking about an archive box set that he's putting together for fans to purchase that is going to cost a lot because it costs so much to record and assemble. Basically, Vinny is doing his best Gene Simmons impersonation and finding a way to sell fans some crap songs at an astronomical price. Good luck with that, Vinny. Vincent also talks about how he asked Robert Fleischman to join him for this performance and that the specifics were still being worked out. Last time Robert's name came up, Vinny was bad-mouthing him. So I'm not sure how well those specifics are going to work out. So let's recap. Oh, well, before we do that, he also said that he asked uh, Jeff Scott Soto to join and that um, you know, due to prior commitments, Soto was unavailable. Um, so I guess Vinny couldn't move the date around to fit Soto's schedule. That's just just my guess, um, but more likely Soto told him to bag off. All right, so let's recap. Vinny wants you to buy a ticket for a two-day event that A, has no venue, B, has no band or singer, 
C is an excuse to entice fans to pay a lot of money for a collection of music that may never be released. And D has a history of being canceled completely. Where do I sign up for this? <laughs> now look, honestly, honestly, I wish Vinny all the best. I hope that the show takes place. I hope that he's able to assemble an awesome band and he puts on a tremendous performance. I hope it's a, a fabulous night of uh, wonderful music that covers uh, you know, his Kiss days and his Vinnie Vincent Invasion days and his Vinnie Vincent solo days. But honestly, I just don't see it happening. And last I heard, the Fleischmann talks were falling apart if they ever even happened at all. Fans, if you are thinking about attending this event or buying tickets for it, I say this. Proceed at your own risk. Why do the tickets have to be purchased through PayPal? Why do the tickets have to be purchased by October 5th? There's some kind of commitments there. And, and maybe he's going through PayPal because he doesn't have the excess money to pay to Ticketmaster. I don't honestly don't know how that works behind the scenes and, and who gets paid and when. I'm sure Ticketmaster makes more than just the fee they charge you for the tickets. I'm sure they charge the band some sort of fee too. So maybe that's you know, what Vinny's trying to do is, you know, maybe he has to work with a venue that doesn't have Ticketmaster exclusive licensing. I don't know. I don't know all the details. All I know is that if Vinny is asking you to buy tickets in advance for something that doesn't have a venue or a band, be careful. I will definitely be following this to see what happens, but if you choose to attend, do so at your own risk. That is sound advice from your good friend, Ryo V. All right, let's get into this particular episode of Extreme Close-Up. And this home video was released on July 14th, 1992 on Mercury and Polygram Home Video. And the band members for this are Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Eric Singer, and Bruce Kulick. The video was produced by Chuck Mitchell and directed by Bill Bowman and the track listing is as follows Unholy the video for Unholy starts off followed by the video for Sure Know Something and then we get into some live clips watching you live from Winterland in 1975 Black Diamond live from Cabo Hall in 1975 Cold Gin live from the Capitol Center in 1975 Deuce, live from Cobo Hall in 1975. A Hundred Thousand Years, live from Cobo Hall in 1975. Let Me Go Rock and Roll, live in Anaheim, 1976. Beth, live at Madison Square Garden, 1977. God of Thunder, live in Japan, 1978. Black Diamond, live in Japan, 1977. Love Them and Leave Them, the video. That was a rare gem. Hard Luck Woman, the video. I Stole Your Love, Live 1977, I Was Made for Loving You, the video, World Without Heroes, the video, Calling Dr. Love, Live in Brazil, 1982, War Machine, Live from Brazil in 1982, uh, and then it ends with a bunch of videos, Lick It Up, Let's Put the X in Sex, Rise to It, Hide Your Heart, Forever, and I Just Wanna, wraps up the set. And finally... Finally, we have a true, real, actual documentary about the band KISS 
with the band members. Now, after the last home video debacle exposed, KISS finally put together a true documentary, and it was so worth the wait. For years, years I had wanted a KISS documentary video that gave me some insight and facts about the band that was done in a professional manner. Extreme Close Up delivered on that desire. Remember, this came out before behind there was behind the music. Uh, rock band documentaries were hard to come by, and only a few bands had them. They weren't very popular at the time. Uh, they were somewhat expensive to produce, and there was little return on the investment because a lot of fans wouldn't pay money to watch a documentary about the band, and even worse, non-fans were certainly not going to shell out the money to watch a documentary about the band. Now these days with Netflix churning out all sorts of documentaries and music documentaries about bands being developed ad infinitum, it's pretty easy to find a documentary about your favorite band. But in 1992, this was not the norm. Finding a real documentary on your favorite rock band was like finding a bar of gold in your backyard. It probably wasn't going to happen. So when KISS released this documentary, I was all over it. I bought it relatively soon after it came out, and I paid $20 for my VHS copy, yep, video cassette, that's right, which I still have to this day. And I was more than happy to plunk over $20 to watch this masterpiece. The video that I own is proudly labeled as Hi-Fi Stereo Digitally Mastered VHS. And if I remember correctly from way back then, that was supposed to be the best of the best, the absolute best filming they could do. Now, filming and marketing gimmicks aside, Extreme Close-Up is the real deal when it comes to documentaries about the band KISS. I think the only other documentary that compares would be The Second Coming, which we are going to cover in a future episode. This was a sit-down interview with each individual member telling their story. Gene and Paul cover the early years, since they were there for them, and Eric and Bruce talk about their time in the band and how they came to be members of the hottest band in the land. The film is done in serious fashion, and for once, we can take these guys seriously and learn from the documentary. The campiness is nowhere to be found. This video means business. Now, quite possibly one of the jewels of my collection. I absolutely love my copy of Extreme Close-Up. And while it has been a while since I've watched it, or it had been a while since I've watched it, I was so happy that I got to sit down and watch it again for the first time in a number of years. And as I've said many times before on this show, this is exactly why I do this podcast. It forces me to revisit things from my favorite band that I haven't explored in a long time. And that's the beauty of this show. That's the beauty of the Psycho Circus podcast. Revisiting KISS and remember some of the greatest pieces of their collection. And after you listen to this episode, you should, if you have it, go out, or go out, sit down, um, and watch Extreme Close-Up, you know? You probably haven't seen it in a while. And it was it was good. It was good watching it again. It was fun. It was like uh, revisiting an old friend. Just I just had a lot of fun. Um, a lot of nostalgia sitting down and watching this video again. Now, as far as covers go, the video cover is pretty standard, and it, it doesn't contain any picture of the band. But at the same time, it's cool, and it sends a message that this is a serious documentary. 
The subtitle of uh, Extreme Close-Up is The History, The Facts, The Stories. And that alone lets us know that we are not getting another cheesy, campy video about a lifestyle that may or may not be true. We are getting the real deal documentary about the greatest band in the world. The band logo spreads across the top in big block font, all silver and black. Kiss. Underneath that, in what I believe is supposed to represent a spray-painted font, the word extreme, but spelled in what I guess the band thought was a cool way to spell it. They put a big X with a hyphen and then the T-R-E-M-E. I don't know if that's very cool or not, but it looks decent enough on the cover. And then under the word extreme are the words close-up in silver block font centered across the cover. And then under that are the subtitles, the history, the fact, the stories. Background is in all black, which helps the cover to really pop. Um, so as far as home video covers go, this one's decent. Again, it presents the message of seriousness that needed to be presented. Now, the back cover has a small blurb about what to expect from this home video, replica autographs from the band, a listing of all the video clips, and several pictures from the home video along with the credit listing. So, back cover adds a little bit, but not a lot. I mean, neither cover is going to make me buy the thing. What made me buy the thing is the fact that it was a true documentary about the band Kiss. All right, so Paul Stanley starts this documentary off in style with one simple comment. If you hate KISS, that's fine. God bless you. And if you love KISS, that's fantastic, and we are grateful. But if you're on the fence, get off. Get out of here. There's no room for you. And I think Paul was referring to the fact that most people either love KISS or hate KISS, and there were very few folks who were indifferent, especially back in the 70s. Extreme Close-Up gives the fan the unadulterated history of KISS that they have been yearning for, and this documentary finally pulls it all together. The stories, the insight, the live concert footage, uh, the deep discussions on past members, and the tragedy that struck the band, all of it is included. And even now, 27 years after its release, I still find new nuggets of gold to glean and enjoy. Now, one of the first things I noticed was the transformation of Gene. During the 80s, Gene suffered from a lack of a look. We've described that on, uh, or excuse me, we've discussed that on previous episodes, but it is worth revisiting here. Gene even mentions in the video that his look was terrible. He stated that he looked like Phyllis Diller's female cousin. Younger viewers, you can listen. You, younger listeners, you can Google her, and then you'll get the joke. But in the 90s, when grunge became huge, Gene flocked to that look, to the grunge look, which was much better for him. He grew out the goatee, he dressed in all leather with studs, he even added skull rings to his arsenal. And while I thought the skull rings were a bit much, I mean, they were on every single finger, it certainly looked better than those bright pastel colors that, uh, that he wore in the 80s along with the rest of the band. Now, the entire band stayed with the black leather motif uh, that had started with Revenge. And as this documentary was filmed around the same time as the release of that album, it makes sense. They were staying with the theme and it was because it was a good look for them. They were a hard rock band that had lasted through the 70s and 80s, changing with the styles of the times. From rock to disco to glam to hard and heavy grunge, Kiss evolved with the times. And Extreme Close-Up really showcases that. Not only did their look change with each passing of an error, but their music did too. 
And Paul talks about that and discusses I Was Made for Loving You specifically and how Kiss went disco when disco was in vogue. They also went glam when that was the style and they went grunge when grunge was ruling the charts. And that's a big part of how the band has able to be has been able to stay relevant for 45 years. They evolve. They change with the music. They still put out great songs that sound like the times they are in. And now that retro is a thing, Kiss is wrapping up their career with a farewell tour. One of the few problems I had with this documentary is that it suffers from revisionist history. Uh, The early days are told by Gene and Paul without any input from Ace or Peter. So, We only get to hear Gene and Paul's side of the story. And to listen to their side of the story, you would think that Ace and Peter were trashed from 1977 until the day they left the band. You're led to believe that it was Paul's idea for the entire band to do solo records. Gene tells a story about how he recommended to Peter that Peter change the name of his hit song, Bath, from Beck to Bath. And we discussed that greatly, you know, we discussed that in great detail during the Destroyer episode. And the story that Gene tells in this documentary, it's it's highly contested. You know, perhaps Gene believes he told Peter to change the name of the song because we know Gene. He has a huge ego. But I don't think it really went down that way. And then they also discuss Vinnie Vincent, Mark St. John, Bruce Kulick entering the picture, and they reminisce on the late Eric Carr, whose passing was still fresh at the time this documentary was recording. And Gene tells a very touching story about Eric Carr that was uh, humorous and lovely. And while telling it, you you could see that Gene was getting a little choked up and, and near tears as he remembered his dear friend who had recently passed away. And that is the one thing that as fans, we tend to forget. I mean, these guys in the band, they're, they're practically family. They spend a tremendous amount of time with each other, day in and day out, on the road and off the road. They create beautiful art together, and they make something that lasts generations. So when a member is lost to a disease, it's terrible and it's heartbreaking, even for the toughest members of the band. Gene's story, though, it was it was a touching reflection. He states, let me tell you about Eric Carr. This one story will sum up Eric Carr and how he was. And then Gene goes on to talk about how they were in a hotel somewhere, and Gene had gotten together with a beautiful young woman, and they ended up in the bathroom together, and somehow their clothes came off. And while they were doing their thing, Gene looks over and he sees smoke coming in under the door. And he starts to freak out. And he says, oh no, oh no, fire, fire, there's a fire. You have to get out of here, fire. So they open the bathroom door to rush out of the hotel. And there's Eric Carr snapping photos. He had lit a smoke bomb off and put it under the door. And then took pictures of Gene and the girl as they were running out of the bathroom. Now, obviously, Gene tells this story much better than I just did, but I was laughing out loud when I heard that story. And that alone is worth the time to invest in extreme close-ups. So again, if you haven't watched this in a long time, or, or at all, I highly recommend that you do so. And little gems like that, are just they just make it golden. And tell me what you think of that when you get to that part, when you get to that story. I know I kind of spoiled it a little bit, but uh, it's still enjoyable to hear Gene's version of the story. So check it out if you get the chance. Now, one of the other things I love about this video is uh, the old videos uh, and the concert footage. 
Now, sure, a lot of this is now available through the Kissology series, but when this home video came out, that series had not even been thought of. So this was the first time I got to see some of this footage, particularly the black and white footage from the early days, like 1974 early days. I love, I love the old footage from back then. It amazes me to see how young and thin and hungry the band was. And of course, that's why they went on to become such a huge success, because they had that hunger and they had that desire and they took chances that other bands just wouldn't take. And seeing the concert footage of watching you, that, that was a real treat. And it gave a great impression of what it must have been like to see KISS back in the day for the first time. Now again, this footage would get a full view in KISSology, and that was probably my favorite part of KISSology Volume 1. But, you know, we'll discuss that in greater detail when we get to that episode. But when this video came out, I had never seen this footage before. I didn't even know it existed. So seeing this on the home video, I probably, the first time around, I probably rewound it and watched it, I don't know how many times, just that one little segment, because it was so, so awesome to see the band in that era, in that beginning time where you know they just started to gel together as a band they had just mastered their their face paint and they had just mastered their songs from the first album and now they're out there and they're performing them live it's 1974 and trust me nobody had seen anything like this it just it, it just blows my mind when i watch this imagine imagine what it would be like to see kiss for the first time in the 70s as an opening act if you went in early enough to see these openers, you, you would have been blown away. You may have even thought they were better than the headliners. And that's something that KISS discusses in this documentary, too. How they aren't afraid to take out strong opening acts with them, and how they took a lot of bands out for their first big tour. All true statements. And I know, having seen KISS over the years, I've seen some amazing opening acts for them, including Saliva, Skid Row, and Ted Nugent. They really aren't afraid to pull out a great opening act because KISS honestly believes they're the best live act and whomever opens for them isn't going to be better than they are. And they're right about that. Very few bands could keep up with KISS in a live setting. Sure, there are some, but they are few and far between and that's why KISS got kicked off a lot of tours in the early days because they were just blowing the, 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 the headliners, they are blowing them away. Now, Gene and Paul spend some time discussing Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park, which just cracks me up. Um, you, can, you can see them cringe at the memory of making this movie and discussing what a disaster it was, and, and I couldn't agree more. I mean, cheap plug, if you want my full take on that movie, search the archives, uh, the Psycho Circus Podcast archives, for Kiss Meets the Phantom episode. It's one of the earlier episodes. It's, I think it's within the first 15 because um, I am doing this in chronological order, so you know that would have been around 1977-ish time. So you're probably in the first 15 episodes, but you'll get uh, you'll get my full take on the movie, uh, including my full review, and I feel it's very entertaining. <laughs> you can get uh, my my deep deep thoughts on what uh, I still consider one of the worst movies ever made. So Gene and Paul talking about this, you know they. 
they realize years later, right? Retrospectively, hindsight is twenty twenty, as they say, and you know you can look back on your past self and then laugh now because you lived through it, and you know what a fool you made of yourself, basically. And they they basically come clean and say that, like Paul says, you know, somebody had to throw out our lines to us, and if we said it without stumbling, that was a take, and they moved on to the next thing. So, you know, they admit that it was it was bad. And it was bad. And yeah, it's a, a cult classic. And, and I'm sure almost every diehard Kiss fan has seen it multiple times. But it doesn't mean it, it's good. I've seen it about six or seven times. Doesn't mean I like it. It just means it's Kiss. I watch it. All in all, Extreme Close-Up holds up over time. And it is a definitive documentary about the band by the band for fans of the band. And as the first real documentary the band did, they did a fantastic job in it, and it was an enjoyable experience. When it first came out, it was absolutely astonishing. And even now, many, many years after the release, I was still learning things, and I was still saying to myself, oh, wow, I forgot about that. And again, if you haven't watched this video, I highly recommend that you do so. You can find it online for an affordable price, and it's even out on DVD now, so you don't have to worry about not having a VCR, video cassette recorder, video cassette player to watch it on. You can find it on DVD, and I'm sure if you search hard enough, you can find it digitally as well and watch it on your iPad or your computer. So again, it's worth the watch. It's about 90 minutes in length, and it was just a fantastic fantastic trip down memory lane and as i've said before and i'm sure i'll say again it's also part of my favorite kiss era you know the 90s era kiss um was my favorite the unplugged era specifically if we want to go into a microcosm of, of my favorite favorite time in kiss we'll cover from like 96 to about 98 i guess 97 Oh, no, I'm sorry, that's wrong. 96 was the reunion, so it would be prior to that. So it would probably be 94 through 94-95, let's say, those two years where they did the KISS convention, they did the Unplugged tour, and they did the KISS on MTV Unplugged right before the reunion. It's my favorite era of KISS. So this is just before that. And, you know, broadening it, broad, broadening it, <laughs> sorry about that, making it broader, um, for you know the fuller era, basically from Revenge up until the Reunion tour, that's my all-time favorite era. Kiss. Now, yes, I love the Reunion tour, and I love the original members, and I love the you know the original era of Kiss. But my favorite time, my favorite Kiss era, is Revenge up until the Reunion tour. Probably because you know I was living through it at the time. I was seeing the band evolve as we went along. I was anticipating, you know, what are they going to do next? What are they going to come out with? What new songs are they going to play? You know, what new music are they going to create? And how am I going to be a part of that? And also, it was just out of um, out of high school and out of college. So you know, those are your very impressionable years. And that's you know that's where I discovered some of my my favorite music that stayed with me forever and you know kiss i had discovered obviously long long before that but that's that was the height of the kiss years for me and i think it's just a combination of all those things coming together is what made me love it more than any other era there is so um a part of the reason why i love this this video so much and uh was very happy contented 
smiling while I was uh, re-watching it for the first time in, in many, many years. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Psycho Circus Podcast. Short and sweet, uh, these video reviews are, uh, I don't know, album reviews just seem to be a little bit easier. Uh, these video reviews are a little bit tougher, but hopefully it entertained you and hopefully it enticed you to want to uh, sit down and watch this again. As always, I thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to the Psycho Circus Podcast. If you got a comment you want to share, you can email me at psychocircuspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, please go to iTunes or wherever you get your podcast and leave a review. Uh, positive reviews and subscriptions help other KISS fans to find this podcast. So please rate it, review it, subscribe to it, and um, and interact. Send, send me an email, send me a tweet. I'm at RyoV on Twitter, at R-Y-O-V-I-E on Twitter. You know, tell me your thoughts on the band. I love interacting with other KISS fans as well and just kind of keeping it going. So um, be sure to tune in next time where I will cover the album Alive 3. That's what's coming up next. And until then, the carnival has just begun. I've seen you eat your own I'm the cycle of